There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Work Stories is a place for women of color to share their experiences in the workplace. We're no longer whispering these stories to our best friends and partners and then shoving them to the backs of our minds and just dealing. We're talking about bias, equal pay, bad bosses, racist hiring practices, and all the crazy things your coworkers have done or said to you. This is a safe place to tell those stories. The floor is open, y'all. We are telling it all. Our next guest is a trained pastry chef, but you'll never guess where she got her start. She's figured out how to merge her love for baking with a passion for health and education. What do you think her favorite cooking show is? Let's ask her. Share with us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Yolanda White. I am a pastry chef, a mentor, educator, bakery owner, mother of five grown amazing humans. (laughs) Very cool. Tell us about kind of your earlier jobs and where you got this interest from. Okay. Well, my very first job I got when I was 16, back back in the 1900s, in 1989. (laughs) And I started at Popeye's because I figured my mother was married, but you know her role was pretty much a single mom because her husband was like her fifth kid. And <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> like watching her be a married woman, but still struggle in a one income household, trying to take care of herself and her children. I'm the oldest of four and her husband and still try to have like a life. So my main goal for getting a job was so that I could put some more money into the household so that she could at least go out with her friends or go out with my aunt. And so I started at Popeye's when I was 16. I literally went on my 16th birthday, like, look, I need a job. Y'all see me here all the time. You know, I'm going to respect this place because I love this chicken. That's so real yeah, though. because, you know, I don't believe in working somewhere where I feel like I'm going to end up quitting. I work in places where I foresee longevity. Mm -hmm. By the time I was 19, I was made shift manager. And that was, I guess, my first foray into knowing that I would be a very good fit in different forms of leadership. Did you stay at the same location? Did you move locations? What was kind of your next step once you were made manager? or shift manager? I stayed at the same location once I did make manager, but I ended up working at another location for the management training and Mm -hmm. went back to that first location. And I was working with 
people who were in their 40s and recovering from different things, relocating from different institutions, and they did not respect the fact that, in their words, we got to listen to a kid. And I had to endure the prejudices of, I guess you would call it like reverse ageism, not being respected because of how young I was. Mm -hmm. So I had to become inventive. I put up a fake schedule on the wall and told them, if you don't want to fall in line, then here's a whole roster of people who all they need is a phone call and they'll come and fill in your spots. And they got it together. Wow. That is such a good strategy. Nobody wants to lose their job to a teenager. I was 19, just graduated from high school. So I was like, this place is going to be full of people my age. So you can either understand that or understand that nothing has to change unless you change it. So having that much power that young, you know, what does that do for you as you you get older, you grow up, you move through your career when you've had that experience so early? Well, I am the firstborn in my generation on both my mom's side and my dad's side. So I had already been used to being responsible for other people and making sure that things were okay with other people. So having that basically made me think, well, more people than just my mother trust me to do more things than just babysit. Mm -hmm. And I was always very aware of wanting to be the type of person that I want to work for. Ah, where did that come from? I had the privilege of having a black male literature teacher who was very aware of the differences between low income black kids and high income white kids in the education and employment sector. He basically taught us that as Black people, we have to have two languages, how we interact with each other and how we interact outside of our surroundings. That just forayed into, you know, as you get older and move through life, you're going to have to learn to be very adept at those two languages because you want to keep a little bit of a grasp on where you come from because you don't want to alienate those people. But you right. also want to make sure that the people in the spaces that you want to be and understand that you belong there as well. So you really became an expert in code switching as a teenager. I did. And I had no idea that it had a name until I started working in administration when I was in my maybe 30s. And, you know, we would be in the office kicking and girl, mm -mm, did you see the housewives of Atlanta last night? Girl, ain't no way <laughs> in hell. And then someone's the following, hi, this is such and such. This is Yolanda. How may I help you today? You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you're this young person leading this team of people of all ages, demanding this respect in a way subtly, but still getting it from your staff. How did you decide not only do I want to go to culinary school, but I specifically want to do pastry? Actually, I did not get to go to culinary school or any college setting right after high school, because when I graduated from high school, I was already five months pregnant with my daughter. So college had to wait a very, very, very long time. I did not get to go to college until I was 38. Oh, wow. And that's when I went to Le Cordon Bleu in Chicago. I fell in love with everything that came after the fundamentals, like knife skills, temperatures, getting dressed up in my chef whites to go to class and all of that stuff. I fell in love with it and understanding 
how a professional kitchen is supposed to operate. And then using that as a little bit of a glimpse into when I would go out to restaurants and then just noticing different things. Like, you know, there's clatter and and all kinds of activity going on in the kitchen, but you only ever see one person. And that would be the executive chef. And knowing that, I was like, all of this is coming out of the kitchen and it's one person's responsibility and nothing is going back. I want to be that person. Wow. Wow. I decided on pastries because I just don't want to work with me for a living I have a very very (laughs) picky palate (laughs) that was your deciding factor was like no meat yeah because when I was in school still I would see whole animals freshly butchered animals being brought to the building for classes and the first time I saw a side of beef I was like yeah no I don't want to have anything to do with that breaking down crustaceans. Like you have to do that while they're still alive. Don't want to have this like murder. I don't want to have anything to do with that. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of is. (laughs) I haven't eaten pork since 1993. Don't want to have anything to do with that. And then I inherited my sweet tooth from my mother. Mm -hmm. And then when I learned that a pastry chef is more than dessert, you know, it's not just cakes and cookies. You know, we mm-hmm. make ice creams from scratch, which I do as part of my business now. And I have an addiction to ice cream. So there we go. You know, you can absolutely <laughs> get high on your own supply as a patient. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, this sounds like a dream. I wish I knew how to make this stuff because I too have a sweet tooth and I want to know how to make all the things I am craving literally every day. Besides your sweet tooth and like, you know, you seeing the meat coming in and out of the school, I feel like because you worked at Popeye's all those years, seeing all that chicken, you were just like, nope, I'm done with chicken. I'm done with meat. I feel like it had to contribute. Pretty much. <laughs> like you don't want to go home smelling like your job. You don't want to go home covered in grease and, and having your hair smell like fire. It was just, it was a lot. Yeah. So what was it like going to school, particularly at your age and while being a mother and raising your children? It was really, really difficult. Like my classes were from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. And my children were still in grammar school. And I had to be very, very trusting of the fact that they could get up and get themselves out the door without incident to school you know, it was, it was hard. And then after that, I had to go right to work. And I sometimes didn't see my kids awake until the weekend. Wow. It, was, it was hard. Sounds like a sacrifice. I mean, really just deciding like, I want to change my career now. And to do that, I'm going to have to give up some other stuff. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And I kept going by telling myself they're younger right now. So we have, once I do this, we'll have all the time in the world together. And Mm -hmm. I had no idea at the time that life works in the exact opposite way. (laughs) (laughs) Once your your kids start getting older, they want less and less to do with you as their parent because they have friends and then they have freedom. Even after I finished, there were a lot of times where I was like, I did this wrong. I did this backwards. If I could just go back and go to the play, go to the basketball game, go to the report card pickup day. I would trade all of this if I could switch this around. So when you were in the classroom, how are you perceived? Like, were there other people who look like you, other Black women, 
women of color? Actually, no. In the beginning of my classes, not only was I the oldest, but I was also the only Black woman. In a class of about 25, there were maybe two or three fresh out of high school African-American girls, women, but they didn't stick with the program. So I did eventually become the only Black woman in the classes. And then in culinary school, there are a lot of things that you have to do on teams. Mm -hmm. And it was like being in gym class all over again. I did not have friends. And I don't believe it was an intentional isolation. It was just, you know, people just naturally gravitate toward the familiar. Right. And everybody there was somehow familiar with each other. And I was kind of like the oddball. So... I was like, okay, well, this is nothing for me. So I just started letting my work speak for itself. They were all fresh from home, fresh out of high school. I think the oldest person there, other than me, was maybe a 25-year-old who had just gotten married and her husband sent her to culinary school because she literally burned cereal. And (laughs) he was... (laughs) Oh my God, seriously though, he sent her, he was like, you got to get better than this. Yeah. He's like, because I am hungry and burnt cornflakes are not going to get it for me. Was she like a stay-at-home mom before? What was she doing? She had just gotten married. So they he knew <laughs> when they were dating that she was like, okay, you have like nine out of 10 out of everything. But that 10, I we need to eat. So right. <laughs> that was probably like an agreement to the marriage. Like we'll get married, but you have to learn to cook. <laughs> exactly. And he, you know, she told us later that he was urged to do that by his mother oh. because his mother would not share her recipes because she knew that she couldn't cook. Oh my goodness. This is so interesting. So many characters in this class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The very first class of the very first day, we got our brand new Wustoff knives. Yeah. The knives come in a little heat sealed sleeve and a plastic cover. We were told, do not grab the knife by the sleeve. Very first like class started at 6 a.m. By 6.15, the ambulance was at the door because a guy <laughs> sliced open his palm by doing exactly what we were all told not to do. And I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. Stop. Are you kidding? I'm not so serious. Oh, wow. So it's like dangerous. <laughs> Culinary school as a whole is very dangerous but pastry school more so because not only do we have the added danger of knives and splattering butter and things like that, we are cooking sugar. Sugar, Mm. when it's cooked to become like syrup or for caramel, gets to be over 400 degrees. And I make homemade caramel all the time because that's like the closest I get to being a daredevil. When you pour the... (laughs) The heavy cream into the pot and it bubbles over almost like a, you know, volcano. And you're like, Ooh, okay. The kitchen is still intact. I still have like my eyebrows. We're good. <laughs> but that same guy who sliced open his palm on the first day, I'm sure he altered his fingerprints because he was trying to <laughs> taste his caramel by touching the spoon. Oh. And I was like, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, no. Did he stay in the program? He did. He did? Okay, good. He's resilient. And I was like, there's going to be nothing left of you by the end of the year. 
<laughs> Seriously. So so it was a year-long program. How long was it? We were in the certificate program first because Lakota and Blues program at that time didn't offer the bachelor program. We had to go to Scottsdale, Arizona for the bachelor program. So you could be finished with your certificate in nine months and then opt to go back for your associate's degree for another nine months. Okay. So I stayed and completed my associate's degree there. Oh, nice. That's great. And then when you finished, what was your first job out of school? At that time, I had my very first overnight baking position at a Belgian bakery, which was the most amazing thing. Got to learn to volume bake. We created menus for like Channel 7 News here, magazines, newspapers, corporate weddings and things like that. And Mm. working overnight, my favorite part of that is you do not work with the people that you work for. Uh That was very very appealing to me because people who hire pastry chefs are not pastry chefs. So they can't Mm dictate or micromanage, even though they still try, which is nerve wracking. And it's so precise, right? It's the most precise kind of cooking, like one wrong thing. It's, it's ruined, right? It absolutely is. Like you cannot go back and, oh, I forgot the salt when you've already got the cake in the, uh, or you can't mix up baking soda and baking powder. I do that all the time. (laughs) It's going to be something different. And you may or may not end up with a happy accident. Right. (laughs) Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Can you tell us a story like about an experience you've had that really exemplifies what it's like being a black female chef? Actually, my last job working for someone other than myself in this field, I was promoted after six months of being hired by a kind of prominent donut shop in Chicago. I was promoted to sous chef. And it was a skeleton crew overnight. Myself, one other Black woman, she was 21 and was not adequately trained because she was basically go get this, go get that. And the management that was there before me was fine with that. Mm. And one guy found out that the two women did not enjoy working with him because he was a little bit predatory. He was very inappropriate. And I thought as the managing entity on that shift, 
I had the authority to, you know, write him up, suspend him because I had to learn his job while he was out for two months in the hospital. And I was like, I'll work his job while we find someone else. Mm -hmm. We were called into the meeting when I had all of the evidence of what he had been doing and saying to these other women on the shift. And I was reprimanded by oh. other the other white male higher ups. You can't write him up because you need him. No, I don't. I need oh. a yeast donut maker. I don't need him right. because the women who work here are afraid to work with him. They complain to me and then look at me crazy because I haven't done anything about him when mm -hmm. my hands are completely tied because he has more in common with the governing entities than I do. It was very, very humbling to have brought him into a meeting where he should have been written up, suspended, possibly even fired, or at the very least put on some kind of probation. And they're telling me in front of him that I don't have the authority to discipline him because of how much work he does for the company. Then why wouldn't they just discipline him and find somebody else? It was like, were they just too lazy to find a new staff member? That's pretty much what it is because mm. in order to interview someone who works overnight, chances are they're already working overnight and want to make a move, which means those interviews kind of have to happen overnight because you can't expect somebody to be up working all night and then come to an interview at the middle of the day. And they did not want to do that. They did not want to give me the authority to do that and heard how the, when he saw how the meeting was going. And I was dismissed from the meeting while he was still in there with them. It became a complete atmosphere of what I thought was cronyism. And he became a more terrible person after that. He started sabotaging recipes and being more blatant and overt with the things that he said to the female staff, now including me, by telling mm. me that he did not want to work for me. I don't mm. feel like I should have to take orders from a woman, which is how a lot of men of all backgrounds mm -hmm. feel. It got to a point where he started doing things and because of the fact that there was no one there to corroborate what I said, it became so much hearsay that I became quote unquote difficult to work with and then I was dismissed. What is it about <laughs> this like we always are going to believe the man over the woman? I don't understand it. Doesn't matter. If there's other people corroborating the same story, if the work is speaking for itself, we always are going to side with the man. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, that makes I me so I don't understand it because those words are always the exact words that are used. What has been brought to our attention that you are a little difficult to work with? What does that mean? Right. Like, oh, I speak up for myself and I speak up for my team. So that is difficult to them, I guess. Right. And my team, aside from this one guy, happens to be female. I kind of got the idea of what I was in for, but I didn't really pay too much attention to it. My very first week working there, the executive pastry chef was like, I'm so glad you're here because I can't take it anymore. I'm quitting. And I'm just going to oh. train you on the slide to do my job. And I'm like, first of all, I don't know my job yet, sir. What do you mean? He ended up leaving and they <laughs> did away with the executive pastry chef position as a whole, which meant I could go no further than mm -hmm. sous chef. And it's like, how do you work as an assistant manager somewhere 
when there is no manager and you can't become manager. That doesn't even sound real. No, they made that up. (laughs) Yeah. And then I'm looking at our salaries. Of course, he's a, you know, he looked like Thor and (laughs) (laughs) he gave me a glimpse into his, he told me what his salary was. He was like, if they try to make you do my job, tell them that this is what you demand. You know, mm-hmm. he was very cool about it, but I was like, yeah, I don't know, because that's way more than what I'm getting right now. So they're not going to do that with me, especially since I don't have the track record that you have. And he was like, I was suckered into this job just like you are. They hired me to do a couple of consultations and then all of a sudden I'm here full time. Oh, OK. That's interesting. So, yeah, I was dismissed because he he just became very mischievous at work with no one to oversee him or what he was doing. There was no checks and balances where he was concerned. Sounds like you were working with a child. Yeah, a mischievous child. <laughs> yeah, he was in his 20s, you know, 20-year-old men or children, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Even they would admit it. Uh <laughs> Wow, that is really unfortunate. But I am really shocked that you were working with women at all. But is that because it's pastry and not other type of cooking, you think? Definitely, because a lot of men still have the misconception that a pastry chef is just dessert and dessert is women's mm-hmm. work. You know, never mind the fact that we're making loaves and loaves of as pastry chefs. We're making loaves and loaves of bread at a time. It's very monotonous and it is very, very hard, full body work. Mm -hmm. And it's also psychological because, you know, if there's a draft that comes in while you're trying to proof bread, the bread is not going to proof, which means it's not going to bake, which means you have to start all over. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So what are you into now? What's your current venture or where are you working? So now I own Miss Londa Cakes. It is an online bakery and I have been able to use my education from Le Cordon Bleu and also working at Loyola University Medical Center as a patient chef in a no salt facility to reconfigure recipes for people with diabetes, blood diseases, going through chemotherapy, being able to retrain people to eat while they're recovering from gastric surgeries and Mm -hmm. maxillofacial surgeries, which is you know, any surgery that causes you to have your jaw wired shut. Okay. I can feed people who have to use feeding tubes. And like now I am brand newly employed as an educator for a grammar school. And I have sixth, seventh and eighth graders with me all day, which is a different kind of uh, crazy. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, And I started as a teacher assistant and I am now outlining a culture cultivation course for my principal to approve. So the proposal that you sent in, is that more for like a kind of what we used to call home ec or? Absolutely. I remember we cooked a lot of things. We cooked and baked and Mm we, oh my God, this probably, does this even exist anywhere? We were like learning how to like sew a button on or like, yeah. How does that work in a world that is like so modernized in comparison to when these classes were really popular? That is what I'm being challenged with now, trying to make it a, um, make it look and sound and feel to uh, my principal and the school district as something that is viable enough 
for everybody to be able to identify with, whether they are male or female presenting, identifying as something else, whether they're declaring now that they don't ever want to be parents in the first place. I have to still make them understand that being able to care for another human does not mean you absolutely have to be a parent. It just makes you a better human because Mm -hmm. you're developing empathy. Right. Right. Yeah. So tell us, what are your goals for the future? You have all of this knowledge, you have these different interests. What do you see yourself doing 10 years from now? 10 years from now, I would love for Miss Londa Cakes to be an entity where people could come and learn how to eat better learn how to regrow completely organic and viable fruits and vegetables from scraps, that learning how to use a budget to eat and feed themselves and having education on where to source their foods and understand that there's a reason that a three liter pop is only a dollar, but a bag of apples is almost $5. Figuring out how to get nutrition into their bodies and their families without going broke and changing the word organic from an expensive curse word (laughs) to (laughs) organic is something that you can do on your own windowsill, you know? Right. What advice would you give to other people, particularly black and brown women who are interested in working in food and maybe even combining it with this like educational health stuff? What's the stuff they need to know about how they're going to be perceived in this work? I really hate having to say that In real time and in real life, Black women in particular, we really, really need to have a thick skin, like alligator thick, because the way that people still feel the freedom to talk to us in professional settings, the way that we're disregarded, the way that our talents are pilfered, or we're just not fairly compensated, you have to figure out in your own personal way, how you're going to deal with that. Because I don't believe it's going anywhere. Learning to walk that fine line and finesse the concept of I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission. You know, do your great things, do your epic, you know, pardon my language, do your epic shit and then (laughs) let them see that you are capable of these things. And then when they ask you to do these things, well, sure. But can we renegotiate my compensation first Mm -hmm. because if you know asking can I can I please improve on this system that you've put in place of course it's going to be no because they don't want to come to any kind of realization that there's a hole in their system there's a lot of black women who people call us lazy because we show up late we take our take long lunches we call off on a Thursday to extend our weekend because our work environment is so stressful because of who we are and what we have to endure while we're at work. Mm-hmm. And that's not an us problem. That is a, you know, that is a society problem. You know, their yeah. fathers overlooked us, their grandfathers overlooked us, and they don't even know why they're overlooking us except for the fact that it's just the thing to do. But as soon as we speak out anywhere other than a very deftly worded email, then we become yeah. difficult to work with and just learn how to walk the tightrope. Yeah. And unfortunately, I feel like we have to learn it earlier than maybe before because the needs are so dire, right? People are starting to work earlier than they had to before because this economy is so expensive. So exactly, you know, sitting down and talking to a 16 year old 
about these type of things that, you know, you think you don't have to experience until later in life. So I want to go back to when you were talking about the different cooking shows. Tell us all of them that you watch. <laughs> we want to know every show that you watch so that we can watch it too, because it's been approved. Oh my by God. An expert. <laughs> and what are your favorites? <laughs> So right now I have a new addiction to Top Chef. Mm -hmm. I never miss Master Chef ever. Oh, that's your thing. Okay. Yes. I have a huge soft spot in my heart for Master Chef. And I love the Great British Baking Show. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you love that? You're part of the phenomena. You I understand am part it. of the cult. Yes, I am. <laughs> What is your favorite thing to make? My favorite thing to make, thanks to my cousin's husband, is Guinness Stout ice cream with fudge ribbons. Ooh, what? Yes. <laughs> that sounds so good. Making Guinness Stout ice cream is so much fun. And then I also make a fudge, and while it's churning, while I'm pouring it into the container, I just drizzle the fudge into it. And he's addicted. Wow. Okay. So after talking to you now, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm so hungry. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for kind of sharing your story with us. I thank you so much for this platform. The things that are discussed in your podcast episodes, when we talk about them in real life to people who can't relate, we sound like we're complaining. Right. And then that kind of furthers our reluctance to talk about what's going on with us, especially to people who are not Black women. They don't want to hear what we're going through at work. So being able to be a Black woman and listen to other Black women and then talk to a Black woman about what's happening and we all relate. Like I, in my head, we're all in this huge room on couches, <laughs> shoes off, wine in hand, like girl, yes. And then when that yes. happens, you know, and that's just like what I get from it. Cause the first mm -hmm. episode I literally had chills. Oh my goodness. I'm thank you so much. This is like the biggest compliment. That's what I wanted. I wanted it to feel like, okay, it's not taboo for us to talk about these things. Let's just like take a deep breath. And then just like be honest with each other. And we're not going to make any judgments. We are going to believe each other from the start. And mm -hmm. we're going to continue sharing our stories and, and giving each other advice based on what's worked for us so that hopefully we don't have to be as miserable in our workplaces anymore. Exactly, And create a space so that we're not watching another generation of Black women who are in their teens and early 20s and maybe 30s grow up into the same entity. Yeah. Work Stories to me is like a digital community. And I'm very, very grateful to you for providing this for us. Oh, thank you so much. That was so sweet. Don't make me emotional. Stop. <laughs> Black women have been in the kitchen since the beginning of time. But it's time that our chefs got the respect that they deserve. Yolanda is a perfect example of how it's never too late to chase your dream. Age, kids, circumstance. Don't miss your calling out of fear. Have a great week. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.